0: Welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh and know that you're not alone. Now let's get into it. In today's episode, I speak with Nicole, who is a mother of a 16-month-old and a 3-month-old. She found out she was pregnant again very shortly after having her first. She speaks to us about life with two under 2. We also speak about her experience with the pressure to breastfeed. Nicole actually had a breast reduction prior to getting pregnant, so she was unsure if she'd be able to breastfeed. She goes into that into what that experience was like for her. Um, in the hospital and also arriving home. So they also, you might hear a little bit of tapping in the background today. Um, Nicole just had her littlest bub next to her and was rocking um, at the time. So yeah, that's what that is, if you can hear that. All right. But yeah, let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Nicole. I am so excited to get into your story.
1: Yeah, me too. I'm excited Uh, to be able to talk about it because I realized that No one actually really asks you much about this sort of stuff and you feel like you've just gone through like a massive milestone in your life and it's nice to actually be able to talk about it with someone.
0: Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think that as well, a lot of the time people are just like, how's the baby? How's the baby sleeping? So yeah, I'm really excited to kind of reflect on everyone's um, the journey into birth and then postpartum journey. Yeah. Um, Awesome. So, yeah, I'd love to know a little bit about you, your family, um, what you do day to day, like before babies and then, yeah, now. So, yeah. Um, Well,
1: uh, it's a bit of a long story, I guess, if we started at the beginning. But me and my husband, we met on the first day of uni and we actually studied molecular genetics and biotechnology, And we did the whole degree together and then afterwards we got married. But neither of us have actually got a career in that. We've just never had a chance. We've gone on interviews, but we've just never been lucky in actually making it into a career. So we both just ended up in call centre roles, like through a friend. And both of us done quite well and like moved up within the companies. Um, But I got to a point a few years ago where I realised after becoming like a high level manager that all I really wanted was to start a family So it was a very stressful role, but um, in the end, I just had a chat with my husband and I was like, you know, I really like want to start a family. That's where my priorities are right now. So I ended up quitting that job because it was so stressful and the hours were ridiculously long. And I just felt like it just wasn't going to happen. Like we were trying to conceive and it was difficult. Um, I think because I was just so stressed. So yeah, I quit it and found like a different, like lower level job that I where I wasn't a manager. Um, and yeah, we it took a little bit to get pregnant, um, but I felt pregnant at the very beginning of the pandemic. So I think it was like March. 2020, and I just started a new role. Um, so yeah, I had that baby on Christmas Eve of 2020. Yep, it was a Christmas Eve
0: baby. Um, oh, she's. Did old now she's what sorry 16
1: yeah, she's 16 months old now oh yeah yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then I fell pregnant again shortly after her so around five months postpartum mm-hmm. I found out I was pregnant again mm-hmm. uh, which like is crazy because everyone straight away is like oh my god what's wrong with you do you know how babies are made why would you do that to yourself oh. <laughs> after it took so long along with the first, me and my husband, like let's just no pressure on it, let's just go with the flow. And then if it happens, it's happens, you know, like we'll just embrace it. But I guess we were both pretty shocked that it actually happened that quickly without really trying, not like how we did with the first. Like the first one was all Mm tracking and you know I like, quit my job we lost weight we didn't drink like we tried so hard with the first make happen so it was such a shock in the second one mm-hmm. but yeah I just gave birth to him um on is he he's actually got the coolest birthday because he's the second of the second 22
0: oh so my god I love that
1: <laughs> yeah. so yeah he's three months old now so yeah I've got a 16 month old and a three month old and I'm basically on a year off on maternity leave But I would rather like having two babies so close together, like two under two, I would love to just be a stay-at-home mum. You know, it gives me a lot more purpose than working does. Yeah. So I would love to do that, but it is going to come down to finances, whether I can actually do that or not.
0: Yeah. So um, what are your babies' names as well?
1: Oh yeah. So my daughter's name is Haven Mm -hmm. and my son is Jet.
0: Oh, nice. Awesome. So, yeah, how did you feel um, in the lead up to your birth? We can go with um, Haven first, if you like, and we can talk about that whole first experience. Um, Did you work right up to birth or, and yeah, how did your birth go? Yeah,
1: so I did plan to. So both babies, both pregnancies, I had gestational diabetes, but I had to be treated on insulin. And I definitely really struggled with that. In my role, so what would happen is I'd I'd be on a call, and I work for um, a utility company, and they'd be quite aggressive customers. And every time I'd be on the phone with someone, um, it would cause like, and in, in if they were angry, I would get a bit worked up and my sugars would drop. Mm-hmm. So I really struggled balancing my sugars with insulin during the day. It was just a nightmare. So I planned to work out right until I possibly could, but I ended up just having a whole month off prior to being induced mm-hmm. um, just because... Yeah, I just felt like I needed to just have the time now. And I'm so glad I did that. I don't know how people work right until the end. I was a pretty miserable pregnant person. Yes. yes. <laughs> so, like, the moment I felt pregnant um, in both pregnancies, I was, like, both had gestational diabetes. I had, like, an underactive thyroid. I had bad morning sickness, just the works. Yeah. Pelvic pain. So I had that with both. I think it was worse with the second for sure, Mm -hmm. which I thought, oh, with the second, you know, my body knows what it's doing. I felt like it was just way, way worse. And then it was hard with a baby that depended on me so much because, you know, I still had to pick her up. She wasn't crawling, she wasn't walking, you know, it was. Mm I'd like have to put her down, like run to the toilet and vomit because yeah. I was so sick. Oh. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so with both pregnancies, I knew I'd have to be induced.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So leading up to birth, it, I feel like it's a very different experience when you know you're going to get induced versus when you know it naturally.
0: yeah. So how does that um, that process then? Like how did you, um, did you get to choose a date or do oh, you... <laughs> I,
1: I think that's the annoying thing because I went through public. Maybe it's different with private, but with public, it'd be like every time I'd have my antenatal appointment, I'd be like, can I please have a date now? You know, my husband wants to organise time off. Like we're trying to sync this up properly. Um, and every time they'd be like, oh, no, we don't do anything too close to the day, closer to the day. And then, yeah, it was just like I had to ha- keep handing every single appointment until eventually they're like, okay, let's pencil something in. But they just make this big effort to be like, just because it's penciled in doesn't mean it's going to happen. It just depends on the day and how many people are in the rooms and is the delivery fully packed. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was it was a bit stressful because it's like I just want a day, I want to know when it's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I had like a rough date but both both did not happen on the actual day oh, okay. so yeah so with my first I think I was this induction date was the 20th of December mm-hmm. um I got told that because it was my first I'd have to have a balloon induction you know when they insert the balloon catheter and they stretch your cervix to make sure it's all ready to go so you know that that day you call the hospital you're like it's so on the 20th you like, can I come in and they go yeah come in at this time so with the balloon I had to wait probably like most of the day just waiting around hospital for someone to come and do it. But once you start that process, they do not let you leave the hospital until the baby's born because with GDM, they want to monitor your blood pressure, your sugars. They won't let you, like it's not a situation where I can just go home and then come back once my waters break or anything. It's like I have to stay there and be monitored the whole thing, the whole way through. So um yeah, got the balloon insert. I think it was in there probably over 24 hours. Oh, yeah. The plan was that it was supposed to be taken out at something like 5 a.m., mm-hmm. but just in typical hospital, public like style, they kept saying, Oh, we're busy right now. So maybe in another hour, maybe in another hour. <laughs> I think it was like maybe in the afternoon when they finally took it out and they were like, You know, you're three centimeters dilated now. So we can just go and break the waters. But just as they put me in the delivery room, they're like, oh, sorry, we have to wheel you back because, like, we've got someone that's coming to give birth. Oh. So it's like you're sitting there, like, oh, really? Like, I'm ready to go now. And so yeah. then you're, like, you're bouncing the ball in the corner of the hospital room. Like, come on, just like. If it happens naturally, they have to put me. They have to take (laughs) me back to the room. Like they can't say no. Yeah, Uh, yeah. It didn't happen that way. So we literally just had to wait until a bed was available, and then they started the process. Mm -hmm. With this second, it was a bit different because I think it was my last was my last antenatal appointment. They're like, "Do you want us to just check your cervix and just see if we can change your induction date?" And I'm like, "You know what? Let's do it." And they were already. I was already three centimeters dilated already. Like Mm. so now. actually I was kind of my body was a bit more ready for it mm-hmm. so it was a lot of an easier experience because they just said you know all we need to do is break your waters and then we're kind of good to go mm. so but that was a bit annoying as well because I got a date for that and I had to with a I had a one-year-old at the time so it was a bit of a I can't just it has to be a bit more planned but mm. they can't give you that yeah reassurance it's like yeah. So you call in the morning at 6am and you say, okay, can I come in today? This is my scheduled date. And they go, we'll let you know later. We'll let you know later. It's like afternoon passes and you you have to end up calling back. You're like, can I come in now? And they're like, no, Mm. sorry, we're full. We'll call you. Mm. So then I send my mum home, you know, mum, sorry, you won't be on babysitting duties. Like, Mm. come tomorrow morning. So again, the next morning you're like, can I come in? Oh, no, we're not sure yet. It's like it went on like that for about four days until eventually they were like, you can come in now. And I'm like, oh, finally. But for four days, you're like in anticipation, you are not sleeping. Mm. You're like, I don't want to eat anything. Like, mm. like, you know, you are just you're yeah. trying to get yourself mentally ready. And it was just so frustrating. Like one night they said to me they'll probably call me at 3 a.m. So I called my mom. I'm like, mom, you're gonna have to sleep at my house because I'm not waking my one year old and dropping it off at you at like 2 a.m. Like. Yep. He
0: sleeps over and then then they didn't even call me. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so then how did you go going into the birth? Um, did you decide to have any pain relief for your first or for your second?
1: Yeah. So with the first one, I like did I watched so many birth vlogs, so, so many birth vlogs and listened to people talk about epidural versus pain-free. But I decided I wanted to try to do it drug-free mm-hmm. um, and see how, you know, if I could do it, I felt like I didn't really like the idea of having a needle in my back and being worried about any damages with that and not being able to move during birth, especially because I went to a lot of like birth classes and they always talked about how labor is so much better if you can get up and moving. So I was like, I really just want to try to do that and just get up and moving and help it along. But in reality, it just was a different situation. So I already felt like with the first cervix check, that mm-hmm. was the most painful thing I have ever experienced in my life and I think it was because my body was so not ready to be induced yeah with the second one it did not hurt at all so I think because my body like Mm -hmm. we'd already priming getting Mm -hmm. ready it didn't hurt but with the first I remember them checking the cervix so they could see what needed to be done and I was spray. I broke out in a sweat and I almost started crying and I said to my husband like oh my god if this is just a cervix neck which they're going to do multiple times Like, how am I supposed to give birth? Mm. I was starting to get in a panic. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know cervix checks were this painful. Why is it so painful? Like, I was cramping for about two hours after my first cervix check. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to do this. Like, there's no way. But um, I went into it and I had a TENS machine and, and I said to the midwife, oh, can I just try some gas and air or whatever it's called? And... It just did nothing for me except help me breathe, like Mm -hmm. help me, you know, breathe properly. So about, I think about three hours into it, I was at a point where I couldn't talk, I couldn't breathe and it was just intense. It went from zero to a thousand so quickly It just was so quick. There was no recovery time between contractions. And I was just like, you know what? I've changed my mind. Get the epidural, please, now. Because I'm thinking I'm only like five centimetres and I don't know how much more I can take. Like, I feel like I'm already, like, I should be giving birth right now. <laughs> yeah. so I, like, no, I get the epidural, but it took, like, over an hour for them to put it in. And there was at least, like, six attempts. They tried six times. My sister, who was a support person, fainted because of how, just watching it all, trying to, because she could see how in pain I was. Yeah. They stopped the drip, but I was still getting such intense contraction still, even though the drip was stopped. And you can't move when you're getting it in, but you're in like the most intense pain. It's like, how can you not move? <laughs> so I was like cramping, I was so uncomfortable. But honestly, once that thing was in, the whole birth experience changed. Like, and I regret not just doing that straight up from the bat because I was then, I went from like not being able to talk to singing, to music, like having a laugh. Like I just had no pain whatsoever. I could still feel contractions, but there was no pain. There was a few little side effects like that I did not know about, like extreme itchiness. Mm -hmm. You feel like your whole body is like covered in like spiders and it's just like, oh my God, it's so itchy. Why is it so itchy? So, um, but, yeah, once it was in, just, like, the most blissful birth. And I yes. fell asleep for, like, good five hours or so. Oh, yes. And I literally woke up and they're, like, it's time. It's just time to push. And I'm, like, really? Is it? Like, this is so weird. Like, it, the whole thing was just bizarre. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really, like, I felt the contractions enough to push, but I really didn't feel, like, anything at all, which was great. Like, yes. was I'm, like man this stuff is amazing but I know it doesn't work for everyone either so but yeah like with the second I was just like you know what get that ready like the moment (laughs) so they did they pretty much they broke my waters but before they even started the drip this time around they're like let's get the epidural in so I didn't feel anything from the get-go but I did fall asleep towards the end and when you're supposed to, I think, like, press the button for top-ups, I didn't get to top up. So when I actually gave birth, I felt everything with the pushing. But was a good experience for me to feel that as well because it's not, I don't find that's really the painful bit the contractions are. So it was nice being able to, like, feel and push. I know it sounds weird, but, like, just feel it all happening, which was a different experience from the mm-hmm. first. Yeah. But um yeah, so yeah. I'm glad I just went for the epidural the second time around. And if I had a third, I'd just do the same. Yeah, but yeah, I did have yeah. issues with the second again, like it took like over an hour for it to get in, mm-hmm. multiple attempts, yeah. and that's really painful. And the recovery is that it is painful because you have a sore back for a good six weeks after mm-hmm. something like that. So yeah.
0: So how did you go then um immediately after birth with both? Did you have any, did you need any stitches or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So I did. So with the first, I had a small second degree tear and, and they stitched it straight away. It's just so weird because you really don't feel anything. You've got the baby on you and you're just like, you know, things are happening down the other end of the table, but you don't really like, you're not aware of it. So they you know that needle they inject to help the placenta come on. Like they just did that. And I had no idea. Um, that was the only thing that I guess it's a shock because I was violently ill after that injection. Like okay. I was holding a baby and like turning and being like, I'm going to be sick. Like I can't move because yeah. I had the
0: and, like, So why was so that? They, Did you just have a reaction to the. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: They said that it is a common symptom, like a side effect that you can get really extreme nauseous. But I was vomiting for a full day after oh. that. So with the second I was like hey heads up I'm going to be Mm -hmm. sick so Mm -hmm. they gave me something before they even gave me that they gave me something to stop that all from happening Mm -hmm. so yeah it was good to know with the second but um yeah so they it was just a small second degree um tear and yeah it stitched up quite quickly but you do not expect the little like they put like a pill up your bum Okay, yeah. <laughs> I did not know because okay. like, I don't know if they do that. It's just a stitch only thing. Oh, but it's okay. like, oh, I'm just going to put like an anti inflammatory, like painkiller. And you're like, what? Why are you going up that side? Like, that side doesn't need any action. Like,
0: oh my God. Yeah, I, just, I had no idea. I um I ended up having to have a C section. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, this natural work yeah. is, is so new I'm to like, me. Oh my I had no God. idea. I was
1: like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm like, that is a no-go road. I, that, road has never, that road has never been in use. And I'm like, and now you're shoving something up there. Oh, my God. Like, yeah. It was mm. like a shock the first time around. The second time around, I knew it was going to come. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, here we go. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> yeah. So with the second, I didn't, I didn't tear, really. I had a first degree. But they were like, you don't need stitches, but... The doctor was like, if it was me, I would want stitches. You know, mm-hmm. like this is an important organ. And I was like, okay, just do a few little stitches then. So yeah. they did. Um, but the epidural had worn off. So I had to have, I think it's general,
0: mm-hmm. is it
1: general anesthetic, where they actually have to inject. So that have yeah. to inject. And I was like, "That hurt uh, it. Yeah. So that yeah, yeah. The first, I didn't feel anything. Mm-hmm. So with the second, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, yeah, that was a bit painful to have that numbing yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah so but it's yeah so yeah that was probably the only thing that really happened I tried to get them to put like warm compress that was in my Mm. birth plan I was like can you please do warm compress to stop tearing so we did that with the first but with the second after I woke up from a nap I was like I'm gonna push like Mm. I need to push this baby's coming out right now I could feel it coming out so there was no time but I'm surprised I didn't like tear more but I think because mm-hmm. I could feel it and it kept saying like slow down the pushing because once you pushed out the first I feel like you, it's like a muscle memory you know what to do the second yeah. so they're like just slow down like don't push too fast like, don't push too fast and I was like okay because yeah um, I only had like 10 minutes of pushing for the second and he was out so oh wow yeah.
0: yep I'm so like, then yeah. Uh, yeah. So then, I guess reflecting on both your births, were they both better than what you had expected, or worse? Like, because you said you had done a bit of reading and yeah. research mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. yeah. How I, they- think,
1: I think better because I think when you when you're pregnant, you always are thinking the worst case scenario, and sometimes your imagination is your worst enemy. Mm-hmm. So you start thinking, you know, what if they have to cut? What if like, you know. That was always my fear is getting that. Was it the epit... I can't say the word. Where they mm. cut episiotomy. Epi- oh, oh episiotomy. I think. That's like, <laughs> yeah. My, yeah. So my, I was always like, don't cut that. I don't want it cut. Like, yeah. Just because I've heard people say that it's just not the same after, like when they go to the toilet and when they have sex, it's just not the same. So I was always like, please don't cut it. Like, please don't do this. I didn't want assisted delivery. Like, I didn't want forceps. I didn't want a vacuum. Just because I always hear... Mm. like horror stories with that
0: yeah.
1: and they were pretty good though were like we're not going to do it unless we have to and mm. I was like okay fair enough um but I think yeah in my head I was thinking like the worst case scenario like mm. you know bleeding to that well I did have this fear, weird fear of child but like dying in childbirth I don't yeah. know why
0: yeah probably I'm sure it's many, common <laughs> probably
1: too many like yeah movies <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember saying to my husband like beforehand, I'm like, maybe I should do a wheel. Like, what if I leave you and you've just got this baby? And then, and he was like, stop thinking like that. And it was just weird, but I was kind of preparing for it as well. I was like, yeah, that's a silly thing like to be worried about. But mm-hmm. yeah, both births, I felt like, well, that was actually nowhere near as bad as I thought. But I think it did help with the epidural. Like, I think if I didn't have that, it'd be a very different experience pain-wise. And it wasn't very traumatic at all. Like, I can imagine that, you know, if it was any certain other way or if the baby's heartbeat was dropping or anything like that, that would be a bit more scarier. But the babies really did well. Like, they responded well to the drip because they were monitored the whole time. Like, I had that reassurance the whole time that they were okay. So I think that helped a lot. So, yeah, it went a lot, lot better than I thought. So I think that was probably what helped me want to have a second as well because you're like, oh, you know, the pregnancy part I didn't enjoy, but I'm like, I actually didn't find the labour that bad, you know. Mm -hmm. It wasn't wasn't like I was in labour for five days. Like it was a short 10-hour labour the first time and a five-hour the Mm -hmm. second time.
0: So yeah, yeah.
1: I'm like, yeah, it wasn't actually as bad as I thought.
0: Yeah. So then I guess getting into the postpartum part, uh, after you had number one, uh, what was the experience like in the hospital? And then I guess when you first went home, how did all that go?
1: Yeah. So I wouldn't say I had the best experience, like especially with hospital. So my first thing that I had a lot of issues with was breastfeeding. And I feel like my feeding journey is probably different from a lot of people because I had a uh, breast reduction when I was 21 and I had quite a lot of breast tissue removed at something like four kilos of breast oh, wow! Tissue. then they it's the type of surgery where they have to actually cut around your nipple take off the nipple and put it back on so you're kind of forewarned at the beginning of the surgery you know that there's a pretty high chance like 60, 60% chance that you're not going to be able to breastfeed because you know the nipple kind of gets taken off like it It might not go back on the same. It might not be working the same. And I definitely felt that after I had the surgery, I was like, it's not responding. The nipples aren't responding. as like they used to to cold and like Mm. things like that. So I definitely always had this thought in the back of my mind that I wasn't going to be able to breastfeed. And I had so much guilt and pressure put on me before I even gave birth that I would have to breastfeed because I was just because I had GDM mm-hmm. they were like the baby's sugars might be impacted because for so long you've had insulin during the pregnancy and you know it's so important that with a like gestational like pregnancy that your baby is fed like every 2 hours cuz mm-hmm. their sugars can really have issues and that's the first thing they say, you know. When the baby's born, they test the sugar straight away because they usually have to give some sort of extra sugar or take the baby away to the nursery. So yeah, there was all this pressure, like you need to be expressing, you need to be like getting all ready because you're going to need to like give your baby like colostrum and keep things up. And I tried everything that they gave me, the like these little needles to express and all this sort of stuff, all the syringes and nothing would work every time so I was like I knew already like I don't think it's going to happen if I can't even express anything but I kept being told no no your milk just wait till your milk comes in it'll be fine. and that's just what kept being told I'm like Mm. but you don't understand I don't think my nipples are going to work that way but yeah so so much pressure so my daughter Haven she ended up having low sugar so um when we were back at the maternity ward she started being really sick with her bottles because what they did was like they're like oh she has low sugar so we're gonna give her a few things of formula but they were giving her so much too much that her little tummy could handle and they wouldn't let me feed her they're like no we need to do it because it's low sugar blah 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 Mm. so they kept feeding her feeding her feeding her feeding her and then she was so sick and then they kept coming in every two hours with a bottle being like you need to feed her you need to feed her would force me to try to breastfeed her nothing would happen so she would be screaming in hunger so we would bottle feed her and then two seconds later she would be so sick and I remember just being like something is not right like this baby is vomiting constantly like I just mum instinct going off so I ended up being like Stop forcing her. I know that she has low sugar, but this isn't working because she's so sick and something is not right. And so they got like a pediatrician to come in and have a look at her. And she had like a abdomen distension or something. So like her tummy wasn't right. And they ended up having to drain all the fluid from her tummy and just keep her in the nursery for a few days just to regulate the sugar. So she was on like a sugar drip. And they said that most likely she's drunk a bit of the amniotic fluid as she's exited me and it's like caused a lot of issues with her tummy. But they had to do so much testing to just make sure that there wasn't anything else wrong with her. But it really sucked for us because, yeah, she was born on Christmas Eve and it just meant that we were in hospital on Christmas Day still and in in the nursery only one of us could visit at a time. So Mm. it was like, you know, grandparents were coming in but they weren't allowed to visit. My sister Mm. wasn't allowed to visit. It just sucked so much. Like we had to be there for so many days.
0: Mm. um, It must have been so hard just seeing her getting all those tests as well.
1: Yeah, I think that because you're so tired as well, you're like the anticipation before giving birth, you're not sleeping. And then you have, I, I gave birth at 3 a.m. So it was like, you don't, you're not sleeping at this point, even mm. though I did have a little nap during the birth. So I was exhausted and um, the tears oh my god I was just em- emotional I was just sobbing like just yeah. sobbing 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 my husband had to go home because the hospital you know has certain visiting hours and I just remember like the baby being in the nursery I- I'm just laying in hospital bed by myself just sobbing like oh. I just could not stop sobbing it was just like a floodgate had been open but yeah. they did say to me, you know, come and visit her as much as you want. And I just remember just being in my pyjamas, just, just just watching her, like just yeah. had that connection because yeah. I felt like it was taken away from me.
0: Because were you able to hold her very often or was she? Yeah, yeah they,
1: they eventually did. But I think they were worried at first that she had an infection. And so until these blood tests came back, they were like being mm-hmm. a bit erring on the side of caution. And she was in like one of those little like incubation things so it wasn't like I could just go in and pick her up and cuddle mm. her when I wanted. Yeah. But after the second day, they took her out of that and then they're like, you can pick her up now. But yeah, yeah, it was just so hard to be mm. like, take. it felt like I was being ripped away from my, it just felt unnatural.
0: Yeah.
1: So I struggled with that. Yeah. And I felt like after, for a good few weeks like every time I had a visitor I would really struggle to just hand the baby over mm. like I just didn't want to give the baby up I was like no I want my time with her like yeah I, want yeah. I really struggle with that yeah. I didn't have that experience with a second like we were out the morning I gave birth at six o'clock at night and we were out like by ten o'clock the next morning wow. so it was yeah. a really different experience he's had some health issues as well though but it was just a different experience in the hospital
0: yeah so how long were you um, in hospital with Haven for?
1: Haven I think it was like five days all up Mm -hmm. and I was getting antsy by the end of it because of the pressure to breastfeed that was my biggest thing with the midwives especially Mm -hmm. the ones that work in the nursery and they would literally put her on my breast and they would push and pull and Mm -hmm. just lecture me and make me feel like a complete failure and it didn't matter how many times I said I don't think it's going to work because I've had a breast reduction. Mm. They just kept saying over and over, no, your milk needs to come in and you need to stimulate, stimulate, stimulate it mm. for it to come through. But every time we would do a feeding, we would just end up having to do a formula feed anyway because nothing would come out. Like nothing would, mm. literally, not even a drop was coming out. So by the time I got sent home, I had said I had made the decision with my husband that we were going to formula feed, but I felt like I couldn't make that decision in front of these midwives at the hospital yeah. because they were just really like lecturing me and just having you go and being like breast is best. And that was, yeah, it just really it was really upsetting me. So I just kept trying in front of them. Like I felt like I had to show them I was trying, like, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. I should be able to, it's my body. I should be able to do what I want with it. Yeah. So, but that's just how I felt as a first time mum and not knowing. Like, mm-hmm. it was just a horrible experience. And when I got home, I was like, we, yeah, me and my husband both felt good. Like, he could see I was in pain. And yeah, so we just went straight to formula feeding. But
0: the I guess, like, their attitude as well probably sets you up to already feel guilty then going into society. Like, I, that.
1: Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah. But I think I the second day I was home, I worked hard, like, with a fever Mm. and when I went to have a shower both my breasts were red I mean like Mm. the whole breast so Mm. I ended up with severe mastitis but usually when you see mastitis it's like just a small little red lump Mm. both my boobs like no joke like the whole the whole boob like both them red or hot and my midwife took one look at it and was like that's not okay like you need to go and get that checked out right now so I had to leave the baby, go to the doctor, and he straight away was like, Oh, God, like your milk's come in, but it can't come out. And that's, yeah. it's caused an infection everywhere. And oh I'm like, this. And then I just felt worse because I'm like, I've, they told me that I had to keep stimulating, stimulating, stimulating. Yeah now my milk's come in because of all the stimulation but it can't get out anywhere wow. so it's like the doctor was trying to relieve the pressure and get it out he couldn't get it out and he just he just summed it up so perfectly that I've just used it now and in, in how I explain it he's like your plumbing doesn't work mm-hmm. and that was just the easiest way to explain it in the future to anyone I'm like my plumbing doesn't work like the pipes aren't connected. At the end yeah. of the day, like, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. So he gave me something to dry up my milk supply. And after, like, a few days with, like, norepinephrine and ice and cabbage and everything that you can think of, I it finally cleared up with some antibiotics. But that was so painful.
0: Like, oh, my God. So that sounds painful. so hard. Yeah. It was
1: ridiculously painful. With the second one, I had already got the pill to dry up my milk to have the moment I gave birth. So once they checked my blood pressure and my blood pressure was fine, they're like, yep, take your drug. And I was like, okay. And I just was a bit, going in the second time round, I knew exactly what would happen. And even though the midwives, the second time round would be like, no, you should try again. It might be a different experience. I straight away was like, no it's not happening i'm not going through that again
0: i can't believe that you must have been so frustrated to hear that yeah,
1: but i kept just saying look my plumbing doesn't work like don't talk about it again like write it down in your file like you guys do a handover i don't want to keep having the same conversation 50 times because mm-hmm. that's what would happen you know they change over staff every few hours and then they're like you've got to explain yourself again like no i can't breastfeed no we're formula feeding like but yeah, they didn't push it with the second. I think I was a bit more like my mama bear came out, like I was a bit more. <laughs> yeah, like, I know what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I know what's best this time. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a bit more empowered and I have not spent a moment thinking anything this time around. Mm-hmm. But with my first, I think I went through like a griefing process for not being able to breastfeed. Yeah, like I went to parent groups and I would see women breastfeeding and I was like the only one formula feeding and it would upset me. Mm-hmm. It, it would upset me if I had to like pack Bottles for the day and always be like, How many bottles will I need? Like, make sure the water is sterilized, like, make sure I've got enough powder formula on the go. And I would just get so jealous and envious of like these breastfeeding mums. I could just literally whip out a boob and just, yeah, straight away. And with Haven and even with Jet, they've both been really refluxing colicky babes, like both of them. And part of me thinks, Oh, you know, they don't respond well to formula, but I don't have any other choice. So that's just been something that's been quite difficult to navigate as well because,
0: like, no one supports you with formula feeding. I just wanted to take a quick break to talk about Bev's buzz break. Do you need a break from that caffeine buzz? So, I started Bev's Buzz Break because I was addicted to caffeine and I just knew it was wreaking havoc on my body. I was experiencing anxiety and panic attacks. My hormones were imbalanced and out of whack. I was diagnosed with PCOS and everything I was reading and looking into just pointed that I needed a break from caffeine. But I was just not ready to part with my daily cup. Honestly, I tried so many times to give up caffeine and I just couldn't because I just craved that morning cup of coffee and I was so addicted to the ritual that is coffee. So that's how Bev's Break was created. I started working with a coffee roastery to blend lower caffeine coffee. So we've created a 75% caffeine with a 25% decaf, a 50% caffeine with a 50% decaf, a 25% caffeine with a 75% decaf and a 100% decaf blend. It's available as whole beans, espresso grind, and Nespresso compatible pods. Um, It really is so delicious. And I personally don't even notice that I'm drinking less caffeine. I found it so helpful to do while I was breastfeeding, um, while I was pregnant. I just didn't want to have to worry about having excess caffeine through my body um, in those times as well. And now I just know, like, I'm not breastfeeding and I'm not pregnant at the moment, but... I love that I'm still not consuming as much caffeine and I'm kind of giving my body a bit of a break from it. Um, Also, I can have numerous amounts of cups throughout the day and I'm consuming less caffeine, so it is a win. Um, I wanted to give listeners of the Post Party Project 10% off, so all you need to do is go to the website www.bevsbuzzbreak.com.au and use the code PPP at checkout. How did you know what to like? How did you know where to start with brands or what to well, get? Exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I remember walking in the shopping aisle and looking at all the tins, and I'm like trying to understand what's on the ingredients list. I like, comparing the labels. I'm like, I don't understand what the difference is between A, B, and C. Like they all like, what is the difference? And I'd Google it. And I even went to the doctor um, and called the parenting line, and everyone just kept saying, Oh, that's your decision. Breast is best. Like, you know, mm. you'll need to. But I'm like, Can someone just tell me what to give my baby? Like, I just want to know what is the best to give my baby. They've got really bad gas pains. They're really vomiting. I just, how can I help them? And it took me, it was just trial and error, trial and error, being like, Right, this tin doesn't work. Mm. And um, the pharmacist would be like, don't just keep changing it. It's not good for their bellies. But I'm like, you don't understand what it is like, like a baby crying all day because they're in pain. Mm-hmm. And you can hear it like and mm-hmm. they're crying, like they're constantly in pain, they're constantly got gas pain. I'd have to just baby wear 24-7. Yeah. And it was exhausting. And I'm like, I just need something like that's just going to help them. But eventually with Haven, I found like a rice-based formula was the trick. Um, but she had to be, like, on an allergy formula. So I think maybe she was a bit sensitive to cow's milk maybe. Mm. Um, and with Jet, he's he's a goat's milk lad, like, yeah. I tried straight away going on the same formula as I had with Haven but he didn't respond well to it he had like really stinky poos like really swollen belly like mm. yeah he just wasn't coping on that formula so I think we've tried five different ones for him like he's three months old and he's gone through five different formulas but mm, yeah. we finally got one where he's happy mm-hmm. you know like he's gone from crying all the time to a lot more of- Happier, like being able to fart better.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so it just makes a huge difference. But it really sucks because yeah, I took jet to the doctor and I was like, "Can you just check him over? Like he's really struggling." Mm. And the doctor was like, "Yeah, try a hydrolyzed formula." I'm like, "What even is that? What's a hydrolyzed formula? What brands are that? I don't know." So I'm yeah. like, "Well, you, I'm not sure. You'll have to find out. Just ask the pharmacist." And I'm mm. like, it's just,
0: and then it no one so can get, recommend anything.
1: <laughs> yeah, like Facebook groups have been good. Like just searching, like formula groups, and just like asking, you know, and just seeing what other what worked for other people. But that is the only way I found out. Like, yeah. what to try Because yeah, it's so overwhelming. There's just. There's information overload, but actually not enough information and guidance.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like you, we need someone to just go over what each ingredient means and like yeah. what, what how they could affect your baby yeah. or whatever.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I just need someone to be like, these brands formula are good for this, or this stuff yeah. good for this, or yeah, it's just yeah. That was just a struggle, and then there's so much guilt for me because I'm like, I feel like I'm causing them pain because I can't breastfeed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
1: yeah, so it was a bit hard, but yeah, second time round, I'm nowhere near like as negative or upset, and I don't feel like I'm grieving like I did the first time round. I definitely struggled like mm. for a few months, yeah. just coming to the terms that I was never going to have that experience. Um, yeah, and yeah, just yeah, it was hard.
0: Yeah. So how did you go then? With um, did you have a good support network with Haven when, especially when you're going through the mastitis? Like, how did you navigate that?
1: I'm lucky because my husband had a good five weeks off the first time around. So I had him the whole time and I got to sleep so much. Like we would take turns. Like we had a good system with the night feeds. I think sleep is everything with postpartum. Let me start with that. Like if you're not getting enough sleep, just everything is so much worse. Like your recovery is worse. You feel like you're in pain. Like you just, your pain threshold is worse. Yeah, you're just not a happy person. So me, and my husband had a pretty good system because he would stay up till like midnight and like game, which kept him happy because he's like, <laughs> I get to still game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: so he would like stay up and watch the monitor feed baby, do all that, change him, change them, and then he would go to bed and he'd put the monitor on my side of the bed and then I would take over. <laughs> but I we would both get a good six hours of like uninterrupted sleep which made a big difference, but yeah. uh, I was lucky with him being at home with the first five weeks because I could just go and have a nap or I could just have a moment to myself during the day or especially with mastitis, like I just would, hot showers would help, like standing mm-hmm. under the hot water, so I'd just have a few of those a day or, you know, just to whatever to just help with the pain. Um, I didn't have the luxury of the second time round because he kind of used up all his and, leave the first oh, yeah. Time. Yeah. and then I was quite sick with my second pregnancy. So we had to have a few days here and there. So you're here and he had three weeks off the second time around. And one of those weeks was wasted just going back and forth to the hospital mm-hmm. before the baby was even born because mm-hmm. there was just like a wait for induction. So... I reckon I struggled more the second time around because you don't get a rest when you've got Mm. like a one-year-old.
0: Yeah, (laughs) Um, yeah. I imagine that would be so hard. Or was your pregnancy quite hard the second time as well?
1: Yes, it was. But it was also because I was constantly looking after her. I was constantly distracted from Mm. it as well. But I was so tired. There would be days where I'd just be like, I can't, I'm so tired. Mm. And I'd be like laying on the lounge, like falling asleep, and then be like, nope, can't sleep. (laughs) like, I've almost got a toddler. She's like walking around, like she's going to get into something she shouldn't. So, yeah, yeah, it was hard. But at least when she went to sleep, I got a rest. When the second came along, it's like I get her to sleep and then he's wide awake needing a bottle, needing Mm. all this. then by Mm. the time he gets to sleep it's time to get her up and then so Mm. it was like only now three months I can usually sync up the lunchtime nap together which is so nice because then I can like eat my lunch in peace and actually like look after myself for a second Mm -hmm. so that's been good but yeah I think yeah first time around was a lot easier because I had the support of my husband home Mm. and but in terms of family you know my whole husband's family pretty much live in seychelles Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and with the pandemic they couldn't come over with the borders being closed and now that their borders are open they can't because financially it's Mm. just like the flights are ridiculously expensive yeah going to seychelles was already an expensive location (laughs) as it was so now Mm -hmm. it's like i think one way or something was 10 grand what but technically they're they're australian citizens so they could Come over and stay for as long as they want, but it's just the financial cost. So yeah. I don't think we'll be seeing them anytime soon.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, my mum raised me as a single mum. So mm. it's just my mum. She's yeah. really good. She'll come over and like help me with the two, which takes off the pressure because mm. sometimes it's just like both kids are crying and you're like, oh my God, like mm. I need another set of arms. Yeah. So she's been quite good because she'll come over like once or twice a week and just give me a bit of. Like a few hours, like even if it's just her watching the kids, I can cook dinner because it's just so hard to do all the other household like responsibilities.
0: Yeah. So yeah, what does a day today kind of look like for you with the two little ones?
1: Yeah, it is really like Groundhog Day. It's when you've got a young baby, it really is like that. It's just a feed. It's like feed play, sleep, feed, play, sleep, feed, play, sleep until night time. But with the one-year-old, the one-year-old's not so much in that same rhythm anymore because they're only really, well, she was only at two sleeps. She was still on two sleeps at one year but she's now dropped to one. A lot of the time she needs a lot of stimulation. So it's about trying to sit and have connection with her and do activities and puzzles and try to get her, like, help her with the talking and There's a lot more to do with her now. It's not as, like, simple as just, oh, she eats and then she plays and then we go to sleep. It's a little bit more, you know, we need to do more. So, yeah, typically, like, what we try to do Mm -hmm. is we try to go out in the morning because then I've only got to deal with both of them at home for full afternoon. Mm -hmm. So we usually, once I've sorted out Jet for the morning and he's fed, um, we just get up, I've got a double pram, we go for a big walk, we go play in the park for an hour, I take a picnic blanket or something, I take an extra bottle for him. I try to like just let him sleep on the go in the pram. Mm. Sometimes that is a nightmare and it doesn't happen, so I just take a baby carrier. Mm. But by the time we come home, it's getting close to lunchtime, so that's when we usually, I make Haven some lunch, we sit down and have lunch together. And I've had to start implementing like just one hour of TV, mm. which is like controversial because everyone has an opinion on whether or not you should have screen time. But I've had to do it. Like mm. I for my own sanity, I have had to do it because she's usually so tired. Um, but to make the one that work, she just needs that one down time. So yeah. we put something educational on usually. Um, but we just sit there and she's got a little lounge so she sits there and has like wine down for an hour but it gives me time to usually feed Jet again get him back to sleep like and then I can then focus on getting her down for her nap but i'm very lucky because hayden was like the best sleeper ever Mm -hmm. and she still is you just put her down and you say good night and she goes to sleep it is that easy so nap time there's no fighting like there's no it's not hard work like you literally just say good night and she just rolls over and goes to sleep Mm -hmm. but it has been hard with jet because he now coming into that like almost four months you know approaching like a sleep regression Mm -hmm. and their sleep cycles change and You really don't learn any of this stuff until you become a mum about all this stuff about sleep cycles and windows and how important it is that your baby has is awake for so long because if they're awake any longer they're overtired
0: and it's just like yeah. It's so hard not to obsess over it as well. And I can imagine oh you God. having two that are so young.
1: You must <laughs> be like, the where's the run schedule? That with Haven, like she's always been a harder baby, like temperament-wise. The If you went five minutes over on a wake window, oh, my God, you would know about it <laughs> and it would become a nightmare. Like I never wanted to go out with her because it was just, I found it really hard and stressful and I'd get myself all flustered, especially if people were looking at me with like a crying baby. I don't know why, but it was such a trigger for me. So I would always just like try to be home for the nap time and it was just so much around the sleep. I was literally obsessed with sleep. But you, you don't really get the luxury with a second because, you know, I try to settle him down for a nap and she follows me in the room, like hangs onto the cot bars yeah. and just like screams <laughs> in his face. And I'm like, baby, like, she's still so young. Like, she's such yeah. a baby self still like yeah. if it was a larger age gap you probably could have a better conversation they would mm-hmm. be talking more but she's such like a baby herself mm-hmm. I call her my big baby because she's still like a baby even though she's a toddler yeah she's, like, a big toddler. they're not yeah. like full toddler level yet but like,
0: yeah 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 exactly because like, yeah baby. Yeah, I have a one-year-old as well, and I can't imagine trying to tell her to, like, sit down and, like, do something or whatever. I can just imagine it would be hectic.
1: (laughs) No, you can't. It's hard. So that's why I'm, like, that one-hour TV time at lunch is the best because she will watch that quite happily with, like, her comforter and she's all tucked in with a blanket and she's quite happy to sit there and that just gives me like an hour to quickly sort out the other one. And if I can sync up the naps, it's absolute bliss. Like mm-hmm. I just sit down and I'm like, you know what? I don't care about the house. Like I'm gonna take this time for me because I need it. Like I just need the quiet and the peace and just to sit there for a moment. And like if it's just escaping on my phone or escaping in a book or something, mm-hmm. I need that time so much. Mm-hmm. Um, or just having a sh- shower, like. It's so hard with two like that is so young in age. Mm. So
0: yeah. Yeah. So um yeah, what, what are some things that you might have found like quite challenging? I guess having two so close or even just after your first, was there anything in particular you found really challenging?
1: I think like I mentioned before with Haven, so she was a difficult baby. I'm gonna say high maintenance <laughs> is probably the best word to have a she's easily would easily get upset and she'd be a crier and I mean like scream and I think one thing I'd found really challenging was just getting out of the house and doing anything with her like I said because she would just get so worked up so quickly and yeah I'd just get so flustered that I'd get home and be like cry in the car like i just be like that just wasn't worth it for me Mm -hmm. But, like, sometimes your own mental health, you need to try to get out and leave the house. I really struggle with that. And I'd get together with parents group and we would do things like baby sensory classes and I'd feel like I'd just be sitting there going, why is my baby the only one that's crying and why is my baby so upset and everyone else's baby are all happy and just sitting there smiling whereas mine's like screaming so Mm. I think that was one big thing I struggled with was not only her temperament and like trying to manage that but more like comparison and not trying to compare like you're just constantly like why is my baby like always crying and why is they always happy you know like and I'd get there and I'd feel resentful, like resentful almost. And then you'd feel guilty for being resentful. Like, I love my children, but it's like,
0: yeah. why can't
1: you just sit there like yeah. the other kids and just be happy and just play with the toys and let me talk to these other moms and just have, you know, it just was constantly like, what am I doing wrong? Mm-hmm. Like, and then your haven you didn't crawl until 10 months, which is totally normal. I'm mm-hmm. within range and there's nothing wrong with her, but. Again, like, that little comparison, like, mm. in the back of my mind, I'm like, why are all these kids her same age or crawling, right? She was the last one of the parents' group moving. I'm like, is something wrong with her? Like, mm. why is she behind? Like, and there was actually nothing wrong with her, mm. but literally just, like, trying to compare where they were developmentally with mm. other kids. you like, what am I doing wrong? Mm. So that was a big challenge for me. And with Jet, I don't have the same, like, parent group like I would did with Haven because it literally has been cancelled like a thousand times with COVID. So I haven't even had a bond with any new mums or he's not had a chance to meet any new little babies. Mm. But I'm already finding that I'm comparing him with Haven. Like I'm like, oh, when Haven was this age, didn't she do much better tummy time? Like wasn't she like really strong? Mm. Like why isn't he really lifting his head and Mm. why is he doing that? And yeah, just a comparison and, and... like that was it, that's a hard thing for me personally yeah. just to, to just be like stop stop I've got to stop myself and be like stop
0: mm. all different yeah it's crazy how much time we put into thinking about that and then once they hit that milestone you're like oh yeah well they're doing it now like it's fine yeah, like, I know I, I the and then you're yeah. constantly
1: like moving on to the next thing you're like mm. so now my new thing is like should Haven be talking more like mm. she's talking yeah. why is it that's she talking so- more is something wrong with her why is you know it's like constantly like Yeah. You're always looking like for the next thing. You're like, wait, are they, why aren't they doing that? Like,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's so hard to just turn that off. Like Yeah.
0: I try and remind myself because I'm doing the same with Ivy. She's like one and I'm just like, how much should she be saying right now? And yeah. I like my partner always says, you know what, at the end of the day, we all become adults who can talk, who can exactly. eat, who can walk. And it's like you just have to try and remove that thought. Exactly. It's hard exactly. to though. Exactly. And you hear stories like, you know, my son didn't walk till they were three. <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: Okay. You know, like they're all so different and yeah. you know that, but it's still just hard to just turn it off and then just mm. think, you just enjoy it because you feel like I'm wasting so much time thinking about what they're not doing and just not enjoying them for what they're doing right now.
0: Because then they're, yeah.
1: they're walking like I miss it when they were just
0: dislocated. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what's what's what have you found most rewarding? I guess having two so close together as well. Um I think,
1: well, I I should say I, it's really fun watching them grow, like. What even with what I just said? So, like one day they're like not rolling, and the next day they're rolling. You're like, oh my god! And every little thing is just like this amazing thing to get to witness, especially when their little personalities start to come out and they start doing like funny little things. You're like, where did they even do that from? Like, <laughs> Haven's always been like a dancer, and she just like dances like the moment any music starts playing and. Yeah, it's just so funny. Like she, yeah, I don't know where she, like it's just her, but it's just so interesting getting to know like your little human and being like, oh, my God, like they're actually a little person. <laughs> so I think that's rewarding. And having two, under two and like 13 months apart, I think it's, well, it's been nice watching them interact. Like little Jack just even though he's so young, he just watches her constantly and, like, smiles at her and just is, like, an entertainment (laughs) for him. And she's constantly, like, nurturing. Like, she watches everything I do, even when I'm not looking, and she copies it. So she's always, like, running over and putting a dummy in for him or she'll, like, follow me in and, like, help me change his nappy. And she just wants to be involved. She's really (laughs) nurturing. And that's just been like, it just melts your heart so much seeing these little moments, like where she's like caressing him and like cuddling him. So it's so nice to actually witness all that. But I guess I probably won't really see my the other rewards until later. Mm. I guess, like, right now it's hard because it's, like, I just feel like I'm changing nappies all day long. Mm. But in, like, two years' time, I don't have to go through that all again. Like, I've mm. gotten all of it out at the same time. Yeah. So it's, like, we can just get rid of all the nappies. Like, you <laughs> like, don't have to go and redo that again. Like, yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Like, all these things, that like, are hard right now are mm. going to be a lot easier because they'll be so close in age. Yeah. So it's, like, they'll be able to just play together and I won't have to sit on the ground like 24-7 and try to engage with them. They'll be able to engage with each other. And mm. so, yeah, that's been, um, yeah, I think when there'll be little besties and that, that the best time is yet to come, I'm probably like in the thick of the worst.
0: Because, oh, definitely. Like having a three-month-old, yeah. it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, are you guys, do you feel like you want to have any more or have you always just thought two? Um,
1: well, it's funny because... Yeah, I think originally I always, like, wanted two. But I knew straight away that I, when I had jazz, like, I don't feel like my family's complete. But that being said, right now, just where I'm at, like the idea of a third, it just sounds
0: it's too hard.
1: Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I can do another level. Yeah. It already feels like... All of me and more is given right now,
0: yeah. and
1: even just the sleep part. Like I was very lucky with Haven; I didn't realize how lucky I was. So with Jet, like I think in the first six weeks, he had me up like every hour, two hours wanting a bottle, okay. just constantly hungry, like never satisfied, um, and I just did not sleep. Like the sleep deprivation was so bad. Um, he's only getting better now, three months, but it's still like really hard and the idea like the idea of being pregnant again like with him the way he is like Mm. oh man I don't know yeah yeah it would be hard because I already know I'm probably going to have gestational diabetes like Mm. I'm probably going to have to go on insulin I'm probably going to have to have a really strict diet and I don't even have time as it is to sit there and make myself a salad like I'm lucky if I get a piece of toast like um (laughs) like it's just it's all a lot and it's hard and you don't yeah, I don't know. I would love one, but
0: yeah, I think
1: it would I'd have to wait like a year and then
0: yeah. see until it, you're getting like a full night's sleep again. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I can't I'm too much in the thick of it to be like, Oh, do I want another? But yeah, I think I would only go one more because like just Financially, like we've got one more room in half. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. Right, <laughs> you need like a people mover car. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many things I'll to think to about. Man, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I guess, we'll, like, you have been through such a huge, I guess, transformation in the past two years. It's probably yeah. just crazy for you to even reflect on. Um, is there one thing that, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice or even anyone that's pregnant right now and, and yeah, planning to go through it, what would that be?
1: I think the biggest thing is just to let go of all your expectations. Like you have, like society as well puts it on you, but you have such an expectation of what it means to be the perfect mum. And for me, that was being able to like do everything with the kids and have a cooked meal at the end of the day and have a clean house and the washing all up today. But I found, that, I think, four months postpartum with Haven, I was like, this is just impossible. Like especially with how she was, and I was like, this is just not realistic. And I would. Feel so guilty, and I just felt like the worst mom. And that was always my thought I'm such a bad mom, such a bad mom. I'm I'm not a bad mom. My kids are like well looked after. Like, just because I don't have a home cooked meal every day doesn't mean I'm a bad mom. But I was letting those things define me, and like, what? Like, I just had this burnout of trying to be the perfect mom. Mm -hmm. So, I think the big thing is let go of expectations. Like, these are kind of in your head what you expect to be, and what the reality is, is very different and you can only go with the flow so you know i when i can cook i do cook in bulk and i have like meals ready and i have easy meals when i need to have easy meals sometimes we have tin spaghetti like you know if we have to you know it's it's not the end of the world like sometimes the washing gets done and it's all put away one week the next week you know my husband and i do it late at night like yeah. but it doesn't matter like it doesn't mean you're a bad mum. it just it is what it is and you can only go with the flow and each child is so different so you can't like you cannot predict anything and everything is out of your control you can't control when they sleep you can't control when they're going to go to the toilet like you can't control anything so it's so silly to just hold on to these expectations about everything Mm. like even now like for example Mother's Day I had this silly expectation of like well, it's not silly, but, you know, I thought I had this picture in my mind of us going out to breakfast and, like, being this one happy family and, like, just having this p- perfect moment. And I ended up coming home and just feeling like I wanted to cry because when we got there, Jack just started screaming. Like, I think he was just so tired and he didn't sleep on the drive. So he was so tired. So I spent a good 30 minutes having to walk away from the restaurant and just pat, pat, pat him until I got him to sleep And my mum was just, like, hovering, being, like, let me take him, let me take him, and, like, just putting pressure on me that I wasn't settling him. Mm. And it just, like, ruined my moment as well. And then my toddler's, like, haven't like, pick me up. But I'm, like, I can't pick you up. I've got brother. Like, (laughs) Like my husband's trying to wrangle her and, like, distract her and, like, trying to keep her sitting in a high chair at, like, 16 months is just hard. You know, like, you get a good 20 minutes if lucky, and then the rest is just a mission so you know I came home and I'm like I just honestly didn't enjoy myself because both kids were just so overtired it was then like a two-hour screaming match at home and I'm like but it was my fault because I just had this like i picture in my head I'm like why I just need to just give myself kindness and just be like mm. you know what they're your children. they are children may have their own feelings like I can't control this I can't control mm. when I'm gonna sleep and I, you just have to prepare just for anything, I guess. Yeah. Like, because I just, yeah, I came home and I was like, I just wanted to have like this nice thing. And I'm like, you know what? Why did I, I should have just had a thing at home mm. and just taken off the pressure off myself and just let go of all these expectations. Because like at the end of the day, as long as I was with my family, I was happy on Mother's day. Like I didn't yeah. care
0: like, I And it's yeah. Don't know about breakfast, like, mm. but it's so I hard. Didn't... I guess because we see so much on social media as well, and yeah. it's like you could have you could have gone there and had like such a shit show of a morning, but had a nice photo at the table. Yeah. No one would have any idea that that's what you went through to get there.
1: Exactly. I think that's where it comes from too. Hey, you just see so much. I follow quite a lot of people and just like people I know in real life as well. But yeah, everything's always like picture perfect, isn't yeah. right? Oh, do they not have any struggles? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard when you don't know, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh. yeah go. You've got to let go of those expectations because, yeah, they're just not going to, they're mm. just like, they're just, yeah, they ruin your moments of actual happiness because mm. nothing's ever perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on today, Nicole. I think we covered everything. And, um, yeah, thank you for being so vulnerable and open with your experiences.
1: No Ray. Thanks for having me and I hope my experience helps someone else or maybe makes someone feel less alone if they're having these feelings like I have had. So,
0: yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd appreciate it so much if you could give a review and subscribe. That way you won't miss out on any episodes. Uh, Giving a review will also help get this podcast into the ears of more women. If you want to follow me, I'm also on Instagram over at The Post Party Project. Thank you. Bye-bye.